People can be divided over many a thing. If you take a wee look at verse 17 of this chapter, you will consider looking at that verse that there are two groups of people in view. There are those who are considered as the adversaries. And they are brought to the place of shame and disgrace. While there's another group of people, that's just the ordinary folk. And they're rejoicing for what things that they had seen happen. And the one that made the difference, the one who was the cause of division, was the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, he taught that in the previous chapter in Luke. As to the background of how we, got to verse, how we get to verse 17, well, it was, as it was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day to, to teach. And Luke here reminds us that the teaching that the Savior did, verse 10, is in the tense that is continuous. He continually taught the people. He was continually teaching them knowledge and bringing before them the great truths of the gospel. And the start of the chapter indicates to us that he encourages them to consider their own latter end. He's able to do that because You'll notice in the words of verse 1 that there were those at that time and they were talking about those who had died. They were considering the Galileans whose blood Pilate mixed with their sacrifices. Or they were speaking about those upon whom the wall in Siloam had fallen and they were slain. And people will talk about the death of others. They'll talk about their death of their neighbors. They will talk about tragedies that often occur rather than consider their own latter end. And Christ brings out the application to them and he says, just in case you think that those Galileans were greater sinners or those 18 upon whom that wall fell were greater sinners than all the rest. He said, no, except ye repent ye shall all likewise perish. He was also to encourage them to consider that with privilege comes responsibility. Hence the teaching of the little parable of the vineyard. The vineyard was planted. The vineyard was tendered well by the husband man. And this had particular application to Israel because they had been chosen, they had been blessed, they had been planted by God in their own land, yet the Lord was looking for, for fruit from them and there was none. With privilege comes responsibility. What teaching the people received from the prince of preachers. And among the people in the synagogue that Sabbath was a woman who was to be commended. If there was one who had just reason to be absent due to her state, then it would have been her. But there's no excuse on her part. She's found in the synagogue. She's found among the people. She's found even in the presence of the Savior to hear God's word and to have it read before her. And while there, she was to be helped beyond her expectation. For she is the bent woman who was made straight. I want you to notice something of her condition. 
The ironic thing is we're not given the name of this lady. The only clue we are given is what the Savior says about her in the words of verse 16. She was a daughter of Abraham. In other words, that suggests to us that here wasn't a stranger. Here was rather one of the house of Israel. But what we are told about this woman is the state in which she came to the synagogue on that Sabbath day. She was one who had an infirmity. That infirmity is described for us in verse 11. Behold, there is a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. She is one who is bowed together. She has stooped over and she has bent forward. And while we're not told how she was able to walk, we can only suggest that it was with great pain and it took much effort for her even to get to one place or another. This infirmity meant that she could not lift up her head. She couldn't stand upright. And I know, uh, particularly when some people get older, they start to have a curvature on their back. And maybe you know somebody like that. Well, you just multiply that. I don't know how many times I get the picture of this woman totally bent over. She can't stand upright. It's something, of course, that sets man apart from the beast of the field. The honor of man is that he's able to stand upright. If you go back to where sin first entered into this world in the Garden of Eden, we know that the judgment of God upon the serpent was that he would go upon his belly from that time forward. Man is able to stand upright. He's the climax of God's creation. Not the other way round as the Darwinisms or the evolutionists would have us to think. You see the pictures of the monkeys and all the rest of it and they're bent over and then they suddenly become straight. No, man is the climax of God's creation. And as one who's able to stand upright, that means he's able to see the heavens that they declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. But the infirmity of this woman meant that she couldn't stand upright. She wasn't able to behold the sun's rays. She was never able to see the stars of a dark night. C.H. Spurgeon said her face was downward toward the dust and all the light of her life was dim. She walked as if she was searching for a grave. And I do not doubt she often felt that it would have been gladness to have found one. I think you get the impression of something of her condition. And in that synagogue this day, while she could hear, she could not see the Christ of God. She could not see the chosen Messiah who had come. I state again that her being in attendance at the place of worship is a challenge to many tonight. We seem to be in a day where many think it's a great deal to be at the house of God once on the Lord's day. We seem to be in a time where it's a big thing to commit yourself to coming out to the house of God. And for many, of course, any sort of worship is wearisome. This woman had the spirit of David when David is found to read a say in the Psalms. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go up to the house of God. 
but she has an infirmity. She also has an inability. Words of verse 11 state, she could in no wise lift up herself. Try as this woman may, she was unable to straighten herself. She had not the ability to do that simple task. She couldn't look up. She couldn't stand upright. Here was something that was impossible for her to do. And when we bring those thoughts together and bring them into the spiritual realm and context, then I trust that you see that there in is an exact reflection of what fallen sinful man is like. Man born of Adam's race hath limitations. He has inabilities. There are things he cannot do. And the greatest of these is that he cannot affect a change in his own spiritual standing before a thrice holy God. He's unable to save himself. He cannot straighten himself out. And when he does look up, it is with a proud look, believing that he's all right in the sight of God and believing that he's not as bad as some others down the road. Sinner friend, look at this woman tonight and her physical condition. And it is a picture of what you are like spiritually before God. You cannot lift up yourself. Many have tried to turn over a new leaf. Many have tried to shake off the old habits of the flesh. And they've found that they're not able to do it. And maybe a few weeks time, people will come out with New Year's resolutions. And they'll not see the end of January with them because they can't do it, you see. Can't do it. They can't continue. They're like the swine that goes back to the wallow in the mire. You wash a pig, and you can be sure before the day is out, it'll be back in the muck. Or as the scriptures tell us about the dog, the dog returns to its vomit. And Jeremiah could say, It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. And to add to her condition, it seemed that she was incurable. For the words of verse 11 again detail for us that she had this infirmity for a prolonged period of time. It says in verse 11, Behold, there's a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. I don't think there's any coincidence there. You might say, what do you mean? Well, you just bring your eye back again to verse 4. And the people are heard to be talking about the 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them. And the Savior says, he's brought before a woman who for 18 years has had the spirit of infirmity. She had labored under this state for those long number of years and so her condition was well known. Maybe Maybe many a physician had given up on her as being incurable. And that is all the more obvious when we note that which the Savior was to speak about in verse 16. Her infirmity was mysteriously linked to the devil. Satan had bound this woman, a spirit of infirmity as well. She is bowed together. In other words, Dr. Luke records she didn't simply have a physical condition involving a misaligned spine. This was both a physical and a spiritual problem. The devil had bound her. And the devil had bound her these 18 years so that she suffered 
shuffled around every day as if chained by him. And there is no other instance of it in the New Testament. But you know, that makes her condition even more tragic, for there's no ordinary man who has power over the devil. Spurgeon said he must have bound her very cunningly to make that knot hold all that time. Her bound her, he bound her up as men t- tie a beast in its stable, and she had not been able to get free all that while. She's bound. My friend, the same is the state of every soul that is yet in their sin. They have a disease that when it is finished bringeth forth death. That disease has been in your person ever since you beheld the light of day and for some it is now many years hence. There's not a man that can heal you of your disease. The devil is your master. You walk according to the prince of the power of the air and you are by nature the children of wrath even as others. You cannot cure yourself and die as you live. Then one day you will perish and in that lost eternity where sin will be punished forever. That makes it all the more poignant. Why you should listen to the message that the preacher has for your soul tonight. For therein lies your only hope. Because having looked at something of her condition, I want you to notice the restoration. I see in my mind's eye this crooked, bent-over woman in the synagogue. The Holy Ghost puts the word behold in verse 11. That means give attention to this. Take a note of this. For even though she had this awful condition and infirmity, she's found there. And what was to happen to her is a portrait of what happens to a repentant sinner in conversion. We have seen a type of ourselves in her state. Now notice the work of Christ in the conversion of a soul as we notice what he did for this woman. And the first thing you'll see, he called her. Let it be understood that there's not a word that this woman called upon the Lord to do. Her lips remain closed. It doesn't appear that she had any expectation to be healed. For remember, she couldn't see the Lord of glory. Her vision was affected. She could only look at the earth all the time. You know, there are other cases and we have preached upon them. And when we hear them cry out unto the Lord like the blind man by the wayside. Or as in the instance of the man sick of a palsy, he was brought by the four friends. He was brought unto the Savior and he was laid at his feet. But from this woman there's not a word. But instead the Lord saw her. And he called her unto himself. He looked upon her with compassion. He not only saw her miserable condition, he knew all about her. He knew how long she had suffered it. Because he is God. And we can only say that before she called, he answered. It must speak to us, does it not, of the mercy and of the grace of God. Of all that were in the crowd that day, the Savior was to call her unto himself. And while she came to have her soul fed, the Lord was to do far more than she would ever have anticipated. 
And dear loved ones, so the Lord is yet calling in the gospel on the souls who are needy, on the souls that are yet sick with sin and held and bound by many a snare of the devil. And you might have come to the house of God and you're a worshiper tonight and you're found singing the praises of the Lord and you're found bowing your head in prayer. You have a reverence. And you're among other of God's people and you may come and you may be desire just to go as you came out through those doors home again for another Sabbath. But God is able to do so much more for you. On this particular Sabbath, Christ was the preacher anointed of God to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that were bound. You see, Isaiah 61 and verse 1 was being fulfilled. And he still invites souls unto him. He says, come unto me, all yet labor and are heavy laden. Here's a woman that was laboring and heavy laden. And there are those tonight and you're burdened with sin and you're heavy, labor, heavy laden. And he says, I will give you rest. And the Savior must call in grace and mercy or else there will be none who will be saved. You see, we remind ourselves of what Paul said in Romans chapter 3. There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. That has ever been the case since Adam and Eve sinned back in the garden. And the way what happened was when the Lord God came in the cool of the day, instead of running to meet God, they sought to hide themselves behind the trees of the garden. And God said, Adam, where art thou? And to this day, men do not seek the Lord, but instead they're sought by the Lord. It's the Lord who is calling unto you, sinner. And when a sinner calls upon the Savior for mercy and to save them, then that's a work that God himself has already done by the power of his Spirit in your life. And my friend, we can only say in the words of the hymn tonight, He calleth thee. He's calling you. But will you be brought to that place where tonight you will yield and you'll call upon him to save your soul? You see, you'll note here that here's a woman who was called and she was cured. And that cure was effected when Christ called her and spoke to her, accompanied by the touch of his hand. Look at verse 12. When Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. She couldn't see him, but he saw her. The cure for the sinner is all of God's grace. Nothing of us. Why should God call a sinner like me? Why should God call a sinner like you? You see, you're just deserving of hell as, as I am. Every one of us are. And that's why the Savior taught to these people, don't you think that those 18 were greater sinners than the rest? Except ye repent. Ye shall all likewise perish. She could only hear his voice to guide her shuffling steps to where he was. But you know what the Lord taught? John 10, My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. They issued the call of liberty. 
whom thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And therein we cannot doubt the power of Christ that was on display. He had only to speak the word and it shall be done. A touch from the master will perfect that sin-sick soul where her condition was incurable as far as man was concerned. Nothing is impossible with God. He can soften the heart which seems to be hardened. He can bend self-wills which have been inclined to sin and to the pleasures of this world for years. He can cause men and women, young people, which have their gaze on the things of this world to look upward and to set their affections on things above. For there's one who has power over Satan, who can liberate a soul that he has held for many a year, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. For that which Satan had succeeded in binding for 18 years was undone in a moment of time. The devil had to give way to the power of Christ. What man could not do, what she could not do of herself, Christ was able to do, for he could lift her up. And she that had been bent was immediately made straight. The Savior was to burst her bonds asunder. He was to deliver her from her long affliction. And dear loved one, that is what Christ does in conversion. For he took the place of the sinner on that cross. He was bound by the hands of cruel and wicked men and endured the punishment that our sin deserved. And he did so that he might set all who will call upon him for salvation free. For if the Son shall set you free, ye shall be free indeed. You see, because he was bound, his people can be set free. You turn over to John chapter 18. <clears throat> you see it for yourself in the words of verse 8. Jesus answered, I have told you, I, I am he. If there ye, therefore ye seek me, let these go their ways. Caring for his disciples right to the end that the saying might be fulfilled which he spake, of them which thou givest me have I lost none. And Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, smote the high priest's servant, cut off his right ear. Servant's name was Malchus. And said Jesus unto Peter, put up thy sword into the sheath, the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Peter was trying to prevent the Lord going to the cross. Didn't understand the plan of the Father. He had to be rebuked. There's a cup that Christ had to drink dry, the very dregs of it. He was to suffer for your punishment and for mine. It says then the band, verse 12, and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus, look, and bound him. And led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law to Caiaphas, which the high priest that same year. Christ was bound. And the power of Christ to heal this woman was confirmed. And you notice verse 13, he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. The evidence was indisputable. Immediately she was made straight. Immediately she lifted up herself. And the only just reaction was she glorified God. Well, she was thankful for his mercy. And all praise for her cure was due alone unto the Lord. The first 
her eyes were to see was the Lord of glory, was the one who touched her. The one who had set her free. And dear soul, when a sinner is made whole and straightened where before they were crooked with their sin, then there will be the confirmation of that. They'll want to praise the Lord. They'll want to give all glory and honor unto God. For if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things passed away. Behold, all things become new. There'll be a change noted. Just as sure as it was seen with this woman made straight. I wonder, will you be that soul tonight? Then repent, therefore, and be converted. That your sins might be blotted out. Here's a woman that was restored. You can know that healing power of Christ tonight to restore you even unto that relationship with God to be reconciled with Him. Want you to notice there's another little thought I want you to see before we close, and that is the consideration. Because the power of the Savior wrought in a heart and a life is not always welcomed. The glory of God is not always on the minds of people. For the narrative, you'll notice, doesn't end with the healing of this woman being made straight immediately. For when the ruler of the synagogue saw what had taken place, the obvious change seen immediately in the woman, and he was to react You'll see his indignation in verse 14. The ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work and then therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. He's a coward! Because he's trying to get at the Lord and yet it says he said unto the people. He wouldn't look into the eyes of Christ. But that's really what the message was for. It was for him. He didn't like what he saw. His bitterness and his contempt was marked by a speech to the very people. The very sight of the miracle of Christ ought to have convinced them this was a promised Messiah. Instead, it stirred up that corruption of his own heart. He thought himself wiser than the Lord of the Sabbath and he accused him of breaking the Sabbath. He seeks to make light of what Christ had done. As if to suggest that they could come any day of the week to be healed, but not on the Sabbath day. The weakness, of course, in his argument was the people had not come to be healed in the first place. This woman had not made the approach unto the Savior, but he had healed her of his own will. And on the part of the rulers, there's wrath and there's an envy. Pharisees made an extension to all the laws that were given and they weren't allowed to go beyond a certain distance on the Sabbath day. They weren't allowed to carry sticks on the Sabbath day and so forth. And that's why he's angry. Because he knew that he would bring, this miracle would bring honor to Christ that he didn't have. Oh dear loved one, the Savior would be honored tonight in the salvation of your soul. It'll cause rejoicing in the believers in in earth. It'll cause rejoicing among the saints in glory. Because notice the answer the Savior gave. It was in the form of an illustration. And while the old coward spoke to the people, verse 15, the Lord then answered him. He answered him. 
And he said, Thou hypocrite. Doth not each of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? Brings it right down into an illustration where he would understand. While this ruler pretended to have zeal for the Sabbath day, it was just a cover-up for his iniquitous heart. And the Savior knew the heart, and he knew the real enmity toward him in the gospel, and therefore he calls him a hypocrite, just one who's play-acting. And to illustrate the validity of doing that which is merciful on the Sabbath, he reminds them, do you, do you Pharisees not even lose the ox or the ass from the stall and lead them away that they might get water? It's cruel if you didn't. And it's a merciful man who looks after the welfare of his brute beast. And if they would do that for the beast, then should not this woman, by the command of his mouth, by the touch of his hand, not be loosed from an even greater affliction than any beast that is shut up? Because he says in verse 13, And ought not, mind you, that's a very strong term in the Greek. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abram, whom Satan hath bound. Lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. There's the reasons why that miracle should have been taking place. One, she was a woman. You might say, what's that matter? It matters because she was one after God's own image. The Lord's not talking about a beast here. He's talking about a woman. She's a daughter of Abraham. She is the lineage of Israel. She furthermore was bound by Satan and every day is a good day to oppose his work and to be able to set the captive free. It doesn't matter what day of the week. And she's afflicted 18 years. And maybe I trusted you see it, men and women. Nobody told her, the Lord, that. We're told it, of course, in the words of verse 11 by Dr. Luke, but nobody had to tell the Lord that because the Lord knew all about her. He knew how long she had suffered. He knew how she had suffered. He knew how she was, she was bound by, by Satan. And there was justified reasons why this miracle could and should have taken place. You see, the works that the Lord permits on the Sabbath day are works of mercy or necessity. And this was a work of mercy that the Lord bestowed on a woman who had been bound to suffering and pain for 18 years. And what the Lord did for her, he can do for some tonight. You know, what a message of repentance that was to that old ruler of the synagogue. He was a man that never came to see the weight of guilt that he was under. And the Lord spoke that message to him. And he's speaking the message to you tonight. How long have you been bound by sin? How long have you been bound by Satan? You notice the implication in verse 16. But not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. She had been bound, but Christ was to break the power of Satan in her life. She was made whole. And dear loved one, that's why the Savior came. 
That was the purpose that he was born as a babe in Bethlehem's manger. It wasn't just to be a good example. It wasn't even just to be a prophet. But he came as the only saviour. And First John chapter 3, in the words of verse 8, reminds us, he was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And that's what he did when he went to the cross. That's what he did here. And mind you, he's very near the cross here. This is toward the end of his earthly ministry. And the word of Christ and the touch of the master and this woman that was bound by Satan was loosed. She was immediately straightened. And the Lord went to the cross and he laid down his life for souls that were bound. Souls that are held by sin. Souls unable to do anything for themselves. But there he purchased redemption through his own precious blood. Through his atoning work he was to overturn the work of the devil and overturn the curse of sin. He was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil at the cross. His head was bruised. I bring Calvary afresh to your consideration tonight. And what it cost God's Holy One to bear away sin. Christ alone can destroy the power of the devil in your life. Christ alone. But I wonder will you turn and seek him. Will you turn and be saved? Will you be made straight this Sabbath? This Sabbath. Well, that's what happened to this woman. The bent made straight. May the Lord bless his word to each and every heart tonight. And even to the salvation of your soul. For his own name's sake. 292. Let's, let's sing a couple of verses here of this hymn. wonder will you watch the words of it. And even put them into experience, into practice. Out of my bondage, sorrow and night, Jesus, I come. Jesus, I come into thy freedom, gladness and light. Jesus, I come to thee, will you? Will you come tonight? Let's just sing verses 1 and verse 3. Page 294, you'll find it, and it's number 292.
God's servant afterwards for your sake. We'll gladly point you to Christ. You might know what it is to be straightened tonight. To be brought from sin unto the Savior. Our God, we thank thee for thy word. We thank thee for the message of the gospel. We thank the Lord for it illustrated even in this woman that was bent made straight immediately. Lord, that thy grace did call unto her. Thou did speak the word. She was made whole. And O oh God, how we recognize that the ordinary common people, they rejoiced in what they had seen. There were those adversaries and they were shamed. But O oh God, we pray tonight that thou would manifest thy same power. Lord, straighten out that sinner. Make them whole tonight. Bring them, Lord, from despair. Bring them from nature's darkness, the danger of eternal death. Bring them unto thyself. May you make them willing and this the day of thy power. And one tonight will say, Jesus, I come. Have mercy. Speak on when the preacher's voice is silent. Part us now with thy fear and thy blessing. We pray in Jesus' precious name.